Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to the Revolutionary Podcast, where I'm here to help you find Jesus and follow him. I want to read it to you with you this morning. In the same region of Bethlehem, shepherds were staying out in their fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For today in the city of David, a Savior was born, who is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people that he favors. When the angel had left them and they returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said. But Mary, but Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. All right. If you've seen any Charlie Brown uh, and you know Charlie Brown Christmas fans in the house, if you know that movie, that is the classic line, right, with Lioness. And that is a story that I'm sure most of you, even if you've hardly been to church or this is the first time ever, that should sound familiar, right? And so that's the classic Christmas story. Now, that is so simple, so basic. You've heard it a thousand times. You know the story, right? At least you think. In, I least think you do. Because, see, the thing is, guys, the setup of any introduction. I mean, think of the greatest artists, the greatest movies, the greatest stories, the greatest songs. All right? Always have the setup. Always have a very significant setup. All right? Your favorite movie has it. At the very beginning of any, anything, it introduces certain elements of the character. Some things are very blatant. Some things are obvious. Some things are not obvious. Until way later, as the character develops, you begin to realize, oh, that's right, and you begin to make all of these connections, all right? Every great story has that. Every great storyteller does that. And so the setup is very significant. It is not something to just kind of skip over. You know, like, oh, yeah, okay, he was born. Let's get to the good part about him dying on the cross for our sins and all that stuff, right? This story, it's very easy for us to do that. And it's very easy for us to miss out on really important details because you think you know the story. And not only that, here's the thing. I picked that video for a reason, which was, what was the main object? What was the main piece of furniture in that video? Let's see if we're paying attention. I know you were. What was it? A manger, right? Anybody away in a manger? You know that song, right? I don't know if that's a class. I don't know. I don't met anybody who that's their favorite song. But I guess, you know, for some, it is. A holy nice mind. And so, Away in a Manger, we sing these songs. We think we know it, right? And you saw that. I mean, did anything look out of the ordinary in that video when it came to a manger? Shouldn't, right? Why? Because that is what popular culture has defined what a manger was and looked like. 
The reality, I'm going to show you later, it's not. In fact, because here's the thing, if you, you can read the score, the read the story, you're very, okay, I think I got it, I think I got it, skip over into what's more important. But Luke, who wrote this, was very detailed about mentioning certain things because the details matter. They were very significant. And this is the introduction of Christ. Luke is the only one out of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John. And there's Luke. Luke is the only one that, that showcases and highlights the birth of Jesus for a reason. He's filling in a gap. That was important. And so the thing, guys, is that we, number one, we got to make sure and understand when we think of Christ, which is the dangers of like those popular movies or when you put Bibles, uh, Bible stories to movies or TV shows, the danger of it is because we're a very visual people, it's very easy for us to see it and think what we saw is what really happened. But God revealed himself not through DVDs, but through, right, word, through spoken word. And so not through anything visual, but through a spoken word. And so we're going to look at this one more time because, guys, unfortunately, we are very easily bored. And we, we're too smart sometimes for our own good, and we think we know it all. But in reality, guys, we need to learn to read a little slower so that we can make sure that our image of even this story is not shaped by popular culture, but, but shaped by God's word. Amen. You're going to see why by the end. So... I don't want you, more importantly, guys, if you have the wrong image of the story, you, you're already going to lose the meaning. And if you lose the meaning, you're going to lose the message, and you're going to miss out on an amazing gift for you this Christmas. And I don't want that for you, okay? So let's kind of revisit a little bit of what we saw. The first thing we saw was what? The angelic revelation, right? One angel shows up, makes this crazy declaration in 8, it takes the bulk of the story, right? Chapter 8 through 14. One angel shows up. He proclaims this message, and what are the rest of all of heaven shows up to the party? And what are they doing, right? Praising God. But I want you just to pause for a second and ask a couple questions. What did those angels say? Who did they say it to? Where did they say it? And when? Those questions matter. All right, think about it. So that's for the first one. What was the first thing they said? The whole part of the story was what? A baby was born. The Messiah is here. Which is a big deal because for the Jews, they had been waiting and waiting and waiting. I read earlier today of Zephaniah. In the, the, that was a prophecy speaking of the day the Messiah would come. And that was hundreds of years before this. And since the beginning, even Genesis 3 has the first mention of the gospel when Jesus, well, when God the Father tells the serpent that he is cursed and that you will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. That's the first mention of the gospel of what Christ would do through the seed of a woman. In the same way, which I think is awesome, the same way that the enemy used a woman to bring corruption, God's going to use a woman to bring life and restoration. He's going to reverse the curse. I love the story. It's so beautiful. And so what do they say? That, that the Messiah is here. Who do they say it to? Who do they say it to, guys? You've seen the movies. Come on, you know what it is. Who do they say it to? Think about it. Shepherds. Out of all people, shepherds. You don't think that's something that should have gone to the kings or to the high officials, to the temple? Shepherds. Random. I mean, these were blue-collar workers. I mean, they did a very significant, important role, an important job. But it was a tough job. It was a dirty job. I don't know if I, I don't know about you. I don't know if you know this, but sheep bite. Okay, sheep are not easy to deal with. All right, sheep are not easy to deal with. And so the, these people, it was very difficult, long hours, and you know, sometimes great pay, not so much. It was not easy work. And why? Why did they say it to them? And so because, 
Again, you got to think about shepherds. There was always something about God in the Old Testament because shepherds were always symbolic of God's, of God's leaders and people who were supposed to shepherd God's people and point them to the gospel, point them to Christ, and, and relay the message. And in, in Jeremiah, in many, many, many different Old Testament passages, God would call out the leaders and said, the shepherds of Israel have failed me. Not the ones, not the physical ones, the spiritual ones. And so now he goes to a bunch of shepherds. Poor, random, outcast, forgotten, in the middle of... And where are they, guys? Where are they? In the fields. Not in a populated area. That, they're on the middle of nowhere. No one knows what they're doing. No one knows where they are. You know, are, are people thinking about it? I wonder what the shepherds are doing right now. No, you know, it, it's not. It, they're out of sight, out of mind. And God goes to them in the middle of nowhere, in the middle where there's nothing to be able to show, I see you. I see you. No one else notices you. No one else sees you. Oh, but no, I know where you are. I see you in the midst of, and again, what time of day? Night. You think that's a coincidence? Again, you don't think this announcement should have been at noontime when everyone's awake? All right, when people can know and find out? Now it's in the middle of the night when everyone's asleep. Why? Because look at the picture. Light shining in the darkness. Why? Because the light of the world, Jesus, was about to and is beginning to pierce the darkness of the kingdom of, of hell and the, and the darkness in our souls. Again, look, all significant, all significant things. And then what, do, what did uh, they do? They ended up just praising God, right? Praising God. What, what was the, the classic line I read? Mine was a little different. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill. Maybe some translations you have. The one that I read earlier today said, and to the people he favors, which I even think about that. Notice at the very beginning, what are they doing? Glorifying God and saying what? Glory to God and peace on earth to God he favors. And that interesting phrase, guys, he, who does God favor? God doesn't play favorites. Just so you know, God doesn't play. All right. I love you. I don't love you. I love you. I love you not. I love you. I love you not. I love you. I love you not. Man, you know, it is a little different. He favors those who put their trust in him. That is it. It doesn't matter what you've done or become. No, you know, it doesn't matter. And so he favors those. And again, what is the peace on earth? It's that peace in your soul to know there's going to be peace between you and God. Peace between you and God. No enmity. No, no, no fear of the wrath of God because you are so confident in his love because of what he is and who he's showing himself to be. Guys, I want you to know, Christian, if you don't have peace in your heart, it's not a feeling. No, peace is Christ. That's why he's called the Prince of Peace. It is the Prince of Peace. And he know when you are saved and when you have put your trust in him, there is peace to know. Though the world is falling apart around me and though I still got issues I'm dealing with and I'm holding it together, my peace, my, I rest in the fact that what Christ did is enough to save me and to secure me and bring me all the way home. It is in him. And so that's what they did. And now, now what was the shepherd's response? I love this one, guys. What was it? Let me read what their response was in verse 15. The second they all take off, let's say, let's go to Bethlehem tomorrow. Can we put it up? Let's say, let's go to Bethlehem. Hey, let's sleep on it, guys. That was a lot. That was pretty intense. I don't know. Can y'all process this? Um, did that just happen? I mean, is that what they're doing? Look what verse 15 says. It says, when the angels had left, they said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem right now. Right now, right now, right now. 
and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so, guys, that is so cool because, again, it was like, you know what? I'm pretty tired. Let's kind of wrap up the sheep here. You know, we'll deal with it in the morning. You know, get some breakfast, see what's going on. You know, no, they didn't. They went right now because, again, this was something that they were waiting for. So why wait any longer? I'm like saying, I mean, the spectacle was ridiculous. And I'm like, this has to be it. This is it. It's, it's, it's happening. It's happening. Let's go. And so they ran straight to seek Christ. And so, guys, that is one of the big things, too. And notice says that the angels revealed to us. Guys, there's no way they would have known to look for what? A baby, out of all things, and lying in, wrapped in cloth, and lying in a what again? Manger. How did they know to look for Christ unless it was told to them? There was no way they were going to decipher this. No way to figure this out. Which is what the what Revelation does. God reveals himself and he shows you things there's no way for you to know unless he tells you and shows you. But then notice, what did they do? They went seeking more after God. They didn't just, just want to deal with the all right, secondhand information. I want to see for myself. And guys, I pray that many of you, I pray that you may do this right now. As I'm, I'm, we're, we're telling you there's something in this story. And I pray that you may do what the shepherds are doing and say, lean in a little bit and seek Christ right now in the story. Not later. I'm like, ah, that's cute. You know, I got a lot of stuff going on. I'm just trying to run out the clock here, Pastor, because, you know, I got cooked. I got people coming over, you know, and so I just want to feel good. I don't want to miss Christmas service today. Oh, no, there's so much more. Seek after Christ like they did right away. And that should be something of a habit of ours, to constantly seek after Christ. But not only seek, they said, and then they saw. And what did they see? After they saw it, what did they do? They went and spoke. And all everybody that they came in contact with, they would say, you can't believe it. You can't believe it. Look what happened to us. Look what happened to us. We saw him. He's here. And all they did was speak. And, guys, that is the habit. That should be the default setting of every Christian right there. That we may continue to seek Christ and speak on the God that we have come to know. That, is a, that, that should be a loop for us. Constantly seek after him and speak on what we have seen and what God has shown us in his word. But there was a but. Now, it, there was a weird part of the story. Did you guys catch that? I mean, the, it, verse 19 feels weird. Can we put verse 19 on the screen? It says, but Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. That feels a little out of place because verse 18, you don't have it. It says, and when they heard, they're talking about the shepherds and what they're doing, talking about, talking about, talking about. Verse 20 says, then the shepherds returned, glorifying God, praising for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Verse 19 doesn't flow right unless it's on purpose. There's like a pause in the story before we go back to the shepherds and then we move on to the next thing. And so that little divine pause there, a little speed bump in the story, we should cause us to say, what is Luke trying to show us with Mary? What is Mary doing? What is everyone's, you know, they're declaring, they're singing, and what is Mary doing? First off, she got to be exhausted. You know, I, I don't know, well, with, you know, with, with everything, with the travel, she just gave birth. You know, I, I know, I don't know what the first thing she did. I know every, every, time, uh, every time my wife had a child, the first thing she did was ate a Subway sandwich. All right? And it was just her thing, right? It was a meatball sub. All right? That was it. Toasted. That, that's what it was. Every child, meatball sandwiches. All right? That's, that's what she earned that sub. And so I don't know what she was doing. And maybe she didn't have enough energy to do anything else. I don't know. But we do know this. What did she do? She treasured everything. She treasured all of these things. What's the all of these things? What has Luke been saying? 
the, the shepherds, first off, her experience, she knows, wait, I've had an angel talk to me and say this to me. I've never been with a man and baby, right? And so what the, like that, she's trying to process, and she's a teenager, by the way, all right? Maybe 15, 16 or so, roughly maybe around you guys' age, all right? Or, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's it, 17, we don't know, but more likely a teenager. So she's trying to process all of this stuff, and she's, she's looking at her experience and what the angel has told her, and, and they're all everything that's led up to this moment, what Joseph has told her. And now these shepherds are like saying, wait, angels have showed up to you? You're telling me this? And they're just seeing these shepherds glorifying God and running out and doing all these things, and all she can do was treasure up all of these things. And what was the other word? And meditate on them. Guys, those two words are super important. I mean, I told you right now, as shepherds, they gave us, they gave, uh, as believers, a habit we should have is the what? Seek after God constantly and speak on what we know. But then there's Mary. Gives us a super cool, super cool element there. First word is treasure. She treasured up all of these things. I looked up that word and it means to preserve something from perishing. From being lost, all right? So think about it. When you guys have leftovers, what do you do? You want to preserve them. You put them in containers. You do this. You do that, right? So you put them in the refrigerator. You put them in the freezer. Why? You don't want them to go bad, right? And so she's treasuring all these things in that way. To treasure is to keep in mind, to remember so she doesn't forget it. And it also implies to treasure something is to even remember to the point of obeying. And so what is she doing? She is just doing, and then meditating is the other thing. It's one thing to treasure. It's one thing to have it stored away. But what are you doing with it? The purpose of treasuring it was to meditate on it. And the word meditate is to bring the word, the Greek word he uses is to throw things together. To bring things together in one's mind. Imagine almost like the way you make kind of soup and cook. I know we got a lot of some, you know, we got some great cooks in the house, you know, desserts and pizzas and pastas and all kind of stuff. What do you do but just kind of throw ingredients together? Why? In order to create something, to bring different flavors together to create something new, right? That's what she's doing. She's just throwing it all in there. She's, she's bringing, not just remembering, she doesn't want to forget, but she's doing something with it. But the word to meditate also means to converse, to meet and encounter something or someone. Same word, to meditate or to mediate. So here this, she is having, as she's meditating on these things, she's having an encounter with the revelation, with God himself, as she's processing all that is happening. But the other thing too, it also implies to meditate also means to fight. It's a struggle. And so here she is. All Mary is, this has happened. This is the Messiah, and, and it's being confirmed by angels, and you guys are, the shepherds are here, and what's going on? And li- literally, I guess if there's, if I can say a safe way, what Mary is doing, she is struggling to piece everything together. She's struggling to piece everything together because she's so overwhelmed. She's so overwhelmed. It's almost, I guess you've been there. Have you not been in those moments in which you kind of notice something's happening, and you slow down just a little bit, take a pause? I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Listen, last Christmas Eve, I had a moment like that. We, uh, we had, uh, was that the first time we've ever hosted Christmas Eve? Uh, so we had never hosted, my, my house is not that big to host, and my family's huge, and my wife's family's huge. And so we decided to host Christmas Eve, because it was a smaller group. And there was one moment, as we're all eating dinner, uh, you know, I, I kind of got, I felt like, uh, I think I was acting weird, but I just stopped talking. And I kind of was in the corner, and I just kind of sat back. 
And I had perfect peripheral of just seeing my kids, talking to my cousins, to my aunt, to my dad, to my in-laws. And I'm just like, just mental, mental pictures, just like soaking it in. Like this is, something's happening. This is awesome. This is just, you had one of those moments before? You know, and it could be little things. It could be significant, right? And you just kind of sense, sometimes I have those with the boys and we're having this moment and, and I realize, wait a minute, this is, this is a moment. I don't, don't mess it up. Like, I, you know, I want to say the right thing. And I don't, I normally don't, who knows? I just, I make it up as I go along. Sorry, guys. And so, um, and so I don't know. But you can kind of sense there's a, there's a moment here. And sometimes a tragic one, they, those, those can be as well. But you can kind of sense something is happening and you want to slow down and embrace it. That happened to a friend of mine one time. We were out, I was, we were in our 20s and, and we were going in Tennessee and we had this big, um, uh, they were tubing down this big hill. And it was one after another after another. And then one friend that she was going down it's like almost me and my friend, me and my brother and others, we just kind of noticed, wait, something's about to happen. And then it was like a movie because right when she hit the bottom, it's like time slowed down and she flies and flips in the air. Just, no. And I'm watching it in slow motion, laughing my head off. And so she was okay, by the way. So sorry, Alina. Um, but anyways, those moments are cool. We notice something is happening. You want to slow down. And that's what Mary's doing. She's like saying, wait a minute, I, I don't know what to do with what's happening. I mean, the, the shepherds, I'm here. I just had a baby. Who are you guys? What are you saying? What's going on? I, I don't know. This is too much for me. But notice she doesn't freak out. She doesn't do this. She just says, okay, I'm just going to treasure up all these things. I mean, just trying to remember, soak up this moment. I'm just going to think about it. I'm going to think about it. And guys, that's an encouraging thing for us to do as well, because with the shepherds, it's very great to seek after Christ and speak on what you know. Sometimes we just need to just kind of meditate on what we just don't know yet so that we can. Because, hey, if she was struggling to piece it together, guys, so, so can we. But as she does this, it's, it's really to, she, she's being encouraged by it, but it's just a lot. It's overwhelming. And the thing, guys, is Luke writes this whole story. He writes this whole story. If you read Luke chapter 1, I think it's verse 19. He says, I'm right now. He, he writes in uh, Luke 1, 1, in the first opening. He dedicates this whole gospel to this guy named Theophilus. And Theophilus was, we don't know, he, he could have been a real person. And we think he was a patron, somebody who kind of like funded Luke. Because he, uh, he had a question. He's like, Luke, I need to know. I need to know if this is real or not, because he was a believer. And so he sends Luke, which was not an apostle, not even a Jew. He was a Greek. He was not a Jew. And he says, Luke, I need you to go do some research out there. I need you to confirm and help me to know, did everything that they're saying, did it really happen? And Luke goes and, and, and investigates, and he, he speaks to eyewitness accounts, and he tries to fill in the gaps of what has already existed out there. And he includes this story. And he includes this story of the birth of Jesus, the only one that we have, because he says, I write this to you in verse 4, so that you may have certainty of the things which have been instructed, which have happened, so that also he may be encouraged in the faith. And so, though he wrote it for him, guys, it, it works for us too, because it gives us, again, these details, gives us an encouragement on what to do. Again, in those moments in which maybe you read the Bible, and if you've ever read a text, and you're like, I got nothing, all right? I don't know if you've ever been there. Listen, that is me all the time. I got nothing. I got nothing. I don't know. I got nothing. But it's so important to be able to, again, just slow down a little bit. And even though maybe you don't get it all, if you don't get it all, if you hang in there, chew enough, chew on this a little bit, 
God can help you put all these things together. He can encourage you in the faith because, first off, notice how much we've slowed down on even this story alone. And how many of you have found little details? I'm like, I never thought about that. I never noticed about why at night and why these people and what are they saying? And out of all people, how come? All of these little details. Because sometimes, guys, we're all impatient. Let's be real. I literally overheard a conversation between my younger two boys this week. All right? This is where, this is the dangers of living in a, in a pastor's house. And so um, someone said, I have a coffee mug that says, warning, um, you know, pastoral warning, uh, anything I hear might and could be said in a sermon, just so you know. But anyways, now I give you disclaimers, all right? I, I'll never embarrass any of you guys, except for these guys. And so they, my younger two were talking about the microwave, and they were talking about, you know, selecting the microwave and how long to put something. And I want to say uh, it was JJ who uh, was complaining that Sai didn't stop the microwave. Sai let it go all the way. Uh, who's here? Anybody here, when you put it for 30 seconds, you're going to let it run for 30 seconds? Who here is going to pause it early? Who's here going to pause it early? Like three seconds, two seconds, one. Have you done that? You, you can't even wait one more second. The food's not going to go anywhere. It, it's not, one more second's not going to make a difference, maybe, for some of you. Depends. And I heard him. I was like, no, what'd you do? He's like, why? You got to stop it before the zeros. Why? Because it's a bomb. You can't let it. Def- you gotta, it's like a bomb. You can't let it go. We're dead. <laughs> like, he literally just said that. I'm hearing it from him. You just killed us all, <laughs> you know? And so we're very impatient people. And it's very easy for us to read and move on to the next and read and move on to the next. But look, look at already what we're doing. Guys, I'm helping you to do this very thing, to treasure these every single word that God inspired Luke to write. And we're meditating on them so it can have an effect on us. So it can have an effect on us and encourage us in the faith. In fact, guys, I just want to tell you, God's word is a miraculous masterpiece. I mean, we saw it a little bit last week. That, that is, I mean, I, I can't help but describe it any other way. It is a miraculous masterpiece. It is literally an ocean with no floor and no shore. It is wonderful because that is who he is. There is no floor to his love and no shore neither. There is no limit to it. Because there is no limit to him, there is no limit to his word too. And this is why we constantly should treasure and meditate on his word the same way Mary did it. If it was good for good enough for Jesus' mama, it should be good enough for you and I. All right? So we can learn from that to treasure and meditate because the more we do that, it actually transforms and matures us. The more we treasure and meditate his word, the more it transforms and matures us. That's what it is. I mean, that's kind of what even we talked about prayer all year. Prayer is nothing but processing God's word back to him. It is processing the word. Prayer is treasuring it up. Prayer is tr- learning to treasure his word and meditate on it. And it helps us to pray in that way. And prayer also, guys, is not just something spoken. Look, meditating is just internal. She's having a conversation with herself. That is what that means. To be able to process all of it. And the more we do that, it is, again, transformative and it matures us. What did the shepherds do? The shepherds did that very thing. They heard the message and what they did, they treasured in their hearts. And what did they do? They ran with it because they didn't want to forget it. That day they went and ran with it and then they they soaked it all up. Oh my gosh, this is it. This is it. This is it. And what they saw was not just something random. What they saw was significant for them because shepherds, these specific shepherds out of all people, Bethlehem shepherds were a little different than most. 
I'm going to explain to you why. And so she goes, and that is so important. And the more we do that, the more it matures us. Do you know that that's not the only time Mary ever said that Luke writes that Mary said that phrase? If you fast forward a little bit to, uh, to verse 51, now Jesus is no longer a baby. He's now 12 years old. And if you know the story, if not, she loses Jesus for three days. All right. Listen, I lost a kid at Disney for three minutes, and that was that was hell. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Josiah, but that was your fault. You were not paying attention. Um, and so... Um, <laughs> and so we, I lost him for three minutes, you know, and have you ever had, again, one of those, I'm sure parents, I'm, I'm sure we've had one of those moments. Like, oh, oh no. Like what happened? Where is he? Right. I'm sure we've lost a kid. And if, you know, if there's therapy, we need to do prayer. We'll pray for you at the end of the service. It's okay. All right. There's, uh, you know, God, you can get healing and peace and reconciliation from that. But could you imagine, could you imagine Mary and Joseph? They lost Jesus for a weekend, three whole days. And they had one job. Okay, one job to parent the Messiah, the only one who was going to the son of God, the one who was going to forgive and wipe away the sins. They had one job. I, we don't know the story. I would have loved if I would have known, did Mary and Joseph pray throughout those three days? And if they did, what did they say? Just think about that. God, the father, how are you doing today? You know, like you. How are you going to ignore that? You know, and then it's like, listen, I lost them. Uh, you know, just, I'm sorry. You know, like, I don't know. Like, I wonder if they prayed. I wonder not. I mean, it's really silly. But they find him later and they say, Jesus, what were you doing? Right? And I'm like, don't you know that I should be at my father's house? And as they go home, you know, Mary, I don't know if she had, a, we don't know if, if she had like that mom moment, right? Where she just wanted to like, oh, I can't believe you did this, whatever. But all we know is that Luke writes, when they went down, she came to Nazareth. He was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. He says it again. We see while he was a baby, while he's now a tween, Mary, 12 years later, is still doing this habit, treasuring up all that's happening, processing it. You know, guys, look, to process God's word, it's like trying to, trying to capture the ocean in a coffee mug. Can't do it. But little by little, you can scoop up. Little by little, you can scoop up. And the more we do that, again, the more it does transform and matures us. When we treasure God's word and meditate on it, it transforms and matures us. Which is why I had just one thing, and I titled the message today, specifically, Treasure the Manger. Now you can see a little bit why. What did the word treasure mean? To, again, to preserve, to remember, to you don't so that you're you don't forget something, and you don't and to treasure it is to meditate on it. I wanted you to be able to treasure and meditate out of all things the manger because that is one thing that you the image of the manger. I want you to in your mind's eye online. Let's play this game. Don't show anything, uh, Carlos. I'm going to need you to do something in a second. In your mind's eye, think of a manger. Picture it right now if you have one in front of you. Picture it. Picture it. All right. Let's play this game. Did it look like this? Can we put the first one up? The, the one with the hay? Did it look like that? Did it look like that somewhat? Okay, what you are looking at is the typical, all right, uh, idea of a manger set. And a, and a manger was not just a crib. It was not uh, an ancient form of a bassinet. It was a feeding trough for animals. 
All right? It was a feeding trough for animals. Why did they put him in a feeding trough? Is because that's where Jesus was. Now, if you can come back. Don't show the other picture. Come back to me. I want you guys to see. And so we don't know. There was no, I know the Bible says inns. There were no hotel sixes or motel sixes or holiday inns. That wasn't there. There was just people's homes. And so there was no room in anyone, in, there was no room in his home. There was no room anywhere there. Some, the, we don't know the details. We don't know why. All right? The, sometimes some people think, well, because they all knew. They all knew. This was his relatives, by the way. All right? This was his relatives, and we all got them nosy relatives that know, you know, they kind of put their little nose way too much in each other's businesses, right? So we don't know, but they know, wait a minute, J- Joseph and Mary, you guys haven't been fully married yet, and she's pregos, and so... Some's not right. And so some, the one thought is they discriminated against Mary. It's like, no, you've, you've defiled yourself. And so you're not allowed in. And so there was, they didn't make room for him. Or, again, maybe they had too many relatives over. Like we, some of you guys tonight, you're going to have an insane amount of relatives over at your house. And there's not room for one more. But again, you couldn't make room for a pregnant woman that's about to give birth, neither? Like, what's going on here? And so they went and stayed in one of two places because they kept animals either in caves or they kept them on the lower levels of the house. So everyone would have been upstairs. That's where the family is. But no, you're beneath us. You're down there. But the one who was not, to the ones who were not allowed in, that's the one who Jesus went to first to say, oh, no, you're coming first. You're first. That is pretty cool to be able to see that. And so, but again, they put him in a feeding trough. Now, you saw that, right? I mean, you can kind of see the image there. I've kind of even been purposeful about showing many, many pictures with that. But, guys, the reality is it's a little different. And the manger in ancient Jerusalem and ancient Israel is different. But not just the manger, but the way the stories are told is very different too. But first, let me show you. Let's put the first one up. Everybody, you thought this is the first manger? Everybody thought that? Everyone, eyes up, right? You see that first one? That's you? All right, let me show you to a real Bethlehem traditional manger up in Jerusalem around that time. It looks like that. That is a carved out stone. Why stone? Because this was food that was put in here, and the rock would help to preserve the food better. All right, versus wood that could rot and decay. Rock doesn't do that. So you can put the food in there. And, you know, I don't know if it acted like a cast iron skillet and you kind of kept some seasoning in there for the animals. I don't know. But this was the manger. I want you to look at it. Now, what does this remind you of? What does this look like? All right, I want you to, guys. You see how what happens when we treasure and meditate? Oh, we're not there yet. See, listen, Luke. Okay, we can come back. I want you to now imagine that as your manger now, as your default image. Listen, Luke, when he writes the scriptures, like most people, which I actually have, you know, it's been really interesting that these guys had editors too, which I didn't know. And so a lot of times when they were writing these stories, some of these had had, uh, Hebrew editors. This one, more than likely, I mean, we don't know if Luke did it or if he wrote it and had a Greek editor, but... When you wrote a story and when you had, you know, you wanted to communicate in ancient times, there were certain ways that they had. We have our own ways of storytelling today, okay? We do. We have patterns and and motives. In Greek and Jewish culture, they had one. And one thing that they loved to do was to, which is in classic storytelling, is to show and, and tell a story with parallels. 
You tell a story with parallels, and you, you, know, you have a climax, and it goes down. For example, Matthew, I heard, has seven mountains in his story because it was written to the Jews. And so, and every mountain, the first and the seventh, connect, and the second and the fifth, and it just, and it climaxes at that middle one. He's telling a story. Last week, we showed you how the, the first three chapters of the book of Genesis perfectly parallel the final three chapters of Revelation. Perfect storytelling right? And perfect parallelism. Why? Because everything in the introduction, everything in Genesis, the setup of the story, did you see how in Revelation it does a callback to it? Because it was introduced. You didn't even see it. You probably didn't even know it until the ending. You're like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Luke does the same thing. When he writes, he opens up his gospel with what? We have Mary and Joseph. We have a baby wrapped in cloth lying in a manger. And then he doesn't stay lying in a manger. He's removed and he begins to live his life. What happens at the end of Luke's gospel? We still have a Mary. We have a different Joseph. Joseph of Arimathea, who take Jesus's body down from the cross. And in the same language he said, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Luke uses the same language. They pull him down. They wrap him in swaddling clothes. They laid him in a manger, a carved out rock. They laid him in a tomb, a carved out rock. Virgin womb, no man had ever lain with her. A virgin tomb, no man had ever been placed and laid in that, manger, in that tomb. Perfect parallelism. And there was one other last lead detail. Remember I told you? Who was the first audience to the Messiah? What was their job? Shepherds. Where were they shepherds? Fields in what town? Bethlehem. Bethlehem not only was the city of David, which the Messiah was supposed to be from the line of David. And so that was another confirmation. But Bethlehem also represents house of bread. That's what Bethlehem means. And in the house of bread was born the bread of life for all of us. But there's one other detail. The detail was, is this. See, Bethlehem is only five and a half miles away from Jerusalem. We did that drive earlier this year. We went from Jerusalem. And drove to Bethlehem. And it is nothing. Five miles is nothing, guys. In Bethlehem is where not only was the city of David, but Bethlehem was unique for one specific industry. Producing lambs for the temple sacrifice. Out of all towns. And in fact, Bethlehem was known to produce the perfect. They were the ones that produced the Passover lambs. And when, they, when the shepherds would recognize, wait a minute, this is a perfect, spotless lamb. Shepherds would wrap it and sometimes even place it in mangers to protect their investment because this is an, this is an expensive lamb. We got to protect this lamb. Do you see why the shepherds, when they showed up, all they've been known is we're here to produce sheep for the lamb. Sheep for, you know, the lamb for the slaughter, the lamb for the slaughter. And oh, you're going to find the Messiah. And where is he? Wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger in the same way that they would see the spotless lamb for the Passover. Do you see why they, would, they couldn't keep their mouths shut, worshiping 
the Lord. And what happens? Jesus dies on Passover day. In the same time, there was a, a Bethlehem, there was a lamb from Bethlehem probably being sacrificed in the temple. At the same time, Jesus was being sacrificed. A lamb born in Bethlehem, right outside. And they wrap him in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. They place him in a tomb. So I want you to treasure that manger like never before. Because in that moment, in that moment, we saw Jesus' entire story. Why, did, why was he born? To be our perfect substitute. Because you and I, all of us have sinned. And there is no hope for us. There is no way, there is no amount of, of rectifying, no amount of working, no amount of anything that we can do to earn a sense of peace. All the world offers you is a way to numb the peace. And you think it works because you feel good for a moment, but it is, you have just gone numb. You're not living anymore. That's not living. You're just barely existing. But Jesus is that perfect one. And so I want you to treasure the manger because there's treasure in it. There's a Messiah in that manger. There's treasure that manger. He is, all that he is is perfect for us. And I want you to even, re, you know, re, repeat one last time. What did the angels say when they said, today in the city of David was born for you? Not just was born. Was born for who? For you. Was born for you. Today, probably tomorrow night, Tomorrow morning, you're probably going to go to a tree, and under the tree will be some presents, right? And under the tree is going to be a name tag. What does the name tag say? To who? From whomever. Well, guys, the manger is the name tag. The, name, the manger is the name tag. Where here we see this is from God for Jesus died. He was born for us, lived for us, died on the cross for us, and was raised from the dead for us, so that if we put our trust in him, we will be forever with him, forever with him. And there is nothing else. You and I have nothing to offer and nothing to contribute than the very sin that needs to be forgiven, the very soul. That is it. That is, that is the perfect life. That is the gift that is wrapped in a manger. That is now Christ. What's amazing is that when you put your trust in him, you know what he does? He now wraps you. Scripture says he wraps us in a different kind of cloth. In the righteousness of Christ. So now when the father sees you, he doesn't see your faults. He doesn't see how you failed. He doesn't see this. He doesn't see that. All he sees is Christ. Jesus was treated like if he was one of us so that we can be treated like if we were him. This is why when we sang earlier, he is worthy. He is worthy. And all we have to do to receive it is to repent and believe. And after that, we can rejoice and reflect to know that that, that treasure that's in the manger, that treasure in the manger now is, resides not in a, in a stony heart, but in a one that's been made alive and we are secure in him. There's treasure in the manger because he is treasure. He is the best gift you could ever get or receive. He is what we all need.